1: Welcome back, Cincy 360, hour number two, a service of our good friends at Rides on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. We've been all bangles all the way. Let's switch gears. Let's talk some Cincinnati Bearcats, both on the football field and the basketball court, under two weeks away now from the start of the West Miller era number uh, year number two. Let's do so with a man that covers the Bearcats for the athletic. He joins us right now. It is Justin Williams. Justin, what's happening?
0: Not much. How are you, Tony?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I want to start with with something that that you tweeted out about this Bearcats team, and you wrote about it on the Athletic. Because I, I feel like we're to an extent we're spoiled right now in Cincinnati because we're at a point now where winning just isn't good enough. It's how you win, and it's the style in which you win. And yet here is this team that has set themselves up um, to win out and go to another New Year Six to put themselves in the driver's seat of another American Athletic conference championship and yet there's this resounding uneasiness coming out of Saturday's win against SMU so as you asked and, and I'll ask you to to answer the question the standard at Cincinnati are the are the expectations too high or, or are they where they need to be this year
0: yeah I mean I, I do think you can you can argue that they're too high and that's because you know they're kind of being graded on a curve right you, you go to the college football playoff you have nine guys drafted you know, the, the, what's that old Chris Rock joke, you can't go back in lifestyle. Like, you kind, of, kind of once you get to that point, you're kind of like, all right, well, this is, this is it. This is what we need to see every year. And this team is not last year's team. This team is good. They're talented. Uh, they're obviously finding ways to win games. But, you know, they're not a, a college football playoff caliber team. And there's no shame in that. Um, but th- that can kind of be tough then to reckon with. But what's interesting is I-, I think you can make the argument the expectations are too high. But this is something that the program has invited, you know, all off soon. What do we hear? Like, we've set the standard. We're not going to deviate from that. We're the whole reload, not rebuild thing. And so I even asked, you know, Luke Fickle about it Tuesday at the press conference. And he said, like, he knows the players. Everyone hears the outside expectations or the outside noise. It's kind of impossible to avoid it. But his whole point was like, our expectations for ourselves are so high. That we're, you know, we're not going to let it bother us if people expect us to win more because he basically said he feels the same way. And we've seen him come off the field after, you know, some some close wins this season. And, and yeah, you get a victory, but you can tell that he just, you know, he feels like maybe they underachieved a little bit. So as much as maybe the expectations are a little bit greater because of what this team's done, you know, last year specifically, that's something that you know this this program wants and welcomes. And I, and I think that's you know part of what Luke Fickle's trying to instill uh, just overall.
1: It 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 doesn't seem like they're that far off because if a couple plays go differently in Saturday's game, then they cruise to a much easier victory against SMU. It, it felt like 10 different things had to happen for that game to be close, and all 10 did happen, but the Bearcats continue to hurt themselves on the penalty front, uh, this game more so than any others, but it's been an ongoing problem throughout the season. When you come out of a bye and you're this far into the season, it doesn't feel like there's anything else that is going to change that right it just kind of feels like maybe that that's what this team is and and there's a fine line because you don't want players that play so aggressively that makes them great to start thinking about that as well right
0: yeah and i mean look it the penalties have been an issue under luke fickle his entire tenure you know the best they've done with penalties was last season. And even then they were still, I think, like in the bottom, you know, third or something of the country. But yeah, I mean, right now they are dead last in terms of, you know, penalty yards per game against them and penalties per game, I believe. So it's not something that they're just going to come out on Saturday or the next couple of weeks. And it's not going to be an issue. Like this is something this team is going to have to deal with. But I think what you said is right. Like, you know, if you're looking at the difference between this team Uh, This season and last year part of it. Yeah, there's talent and the experience of some of those guys, but what comes with that is making less mistakes, right? Like, Cincinnati is talent more talented than most of the teams, certainly in the conference that they're going to go up against. And and that's why they're able to pull out some of these victories, you know, at the end of games, and maybe they're not playing great because they're just a little bit better, higher-caliber team. They have some kind of winning DNA and culture. But this group is going to make more mistakes than they've made last year or maybe in the past couple of years, and that's just kind of something you have to navigate, and you have to hope – it doesn't, you know, for their sake, it doesn't turn out uh, impacting them in a way that will make them lose. But that's why Saturday's game is so interesting because you're you're playing a, a better opponent in UCF, and I think you can afford to have less of those mistakes.
1: Ben Bryant, uh, for much of the season, has been solid. He struggled on Saturday, and the wind had a lot to do with that. But it felt like in the past couple of weeks, there's been times and situations in the game where maybe an Evan Prater package or an Evan Prater play would would kind of help out the offense pick up a, a key first down on a third and fourth and short. Is there, is there any other thought going into this that maybe going forward when we've seen some of these struggles that there's still the ability to have Evan Prater for a series or so?
0: Yeah, I think they would like to use it more. I'm actually going to write something about this for tomorrow, for Friday. I think the, the balance they're trying to strike there is if you're bringing Evan Prater in, in the red zone or on third and short or something like that, you know, at some point, you're gonna to have to let him throw a little bit because you can't just bring him in and always have him him run. You know that's that's his skill. That's what he's gonna to do to keep defenses off balance. But if you're just bringing him in a couple times a game and running zone reads or QB draws, like defenses are gonna to start to be able to pick up on that. And so then you're kind of weighing like, all right, you know, are we gonna bring him in and and trust him to let him throw here? We, you know, I think they want to put him in situations to succeed when he comes into the game. Um, but then it's also one of the things if you're bringing him in to throw the ball. Do you feel more comfortable having Ben throw it? So I think there is a balance they would like to strike there. Uh, You know, just aside from from what Evan Prater might be able to do coming into the game, they just need Ben to be you know more consistent. We we've seen him especially early in the year what he's able to do and and kind of go out there and light up defenses through the air. And the past couple weeks just hasn't hasn't been as you know on point, hasn't been as consistent. Um, They know that he has that in him, but I just think they want to see that you know a a little bit a little bit more consistent throughout the game each week. And then yeah, if you can find within that some pockets to bring Evan Prater in to kind of throw the defense off uh, you know you find ways to do that.
1: Lastly on the offensive side you you wrote about this as well about the, the tight end usage because I think a lot of people are saying where's Josh Wiley where's Leonard Taylor except in the big moments they put the game away on Saturday with Josh Wiley we've seen him in the red zone what have you found when looking at the tight end usage for this Bearcats team that a lot of people seem to be wanting?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you just go by the statistics, Cincinnati's using their tight ends a lot, actually. And part of that is they have two really good ones. So, yeah, if you look at, you know, Josh Wiley's targets, I think he has 29 targets on the season. You know, that's in the top 30 in, in college football. Josh Wiley's definitely, you know, better than just a top 30 tight end in college football, but then you also have Leonard Taylor next to him. And if you put their targets together, then it, it actually measures, like, in you know, the top 20 within college football in terms of total tight end targets for a team. But then the other thing you look at is Cincinnati's got really good receivers, too, like Michael Mayer for Notre Dame, great tight end, and obviously he he leads the country in targets for tight ends. Notre Dame doesn't have very good receivers, though. They have to feed Michael Mayer the ball. So if you're kind of trying to force feed Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor a little bit, that's fine. Those guys are really good players. <laughs> But that means less targets for Trey Tucker, less targets for Tyler Scott, less targets for Jaden Thompson. Uh, And I think, you know, we talked about maybe some of Ben's inconsistencies and struggles. One of the things he's done really good all year is distribute the ball. He doesn't really key in on anyone. He's not trying to force feed someone the ball within the game. He's distributed his targets pretty well. So there's certainly room where you could get Josh and Lenny the ball a little bit more. But it, it is a balance because on this team, there's a lot of guys who you know are, are worthy of getting targets and have shown what they can do with it.
1: Justin Williams covering the Bearcats for the Athletics, spending a few more minutes with us. Um, UCF on Saturday, we know this is a huge game. UCF coming off a, a bad loss on the road to ECU. But I think that's more that ECU team is better than what a lot of people think. And UC is going to have to see them and Tulane both at home. But as a road test goes outside of Arkansas, this is tough. This is This is going to be the the next test for this team, and I think when people think UCF, they think explosive offense. This UCF team, as it relates to the American Athletic Conference, is exceptional on the defensive side of the ball as well. What does UCF do so well that could cause problems for the Bearcats?
0: Yeah, you know, they've been really good in Renzo defense, and and up until last week, you wouldn't have said that was a concern for Cincinnati, but that was, you know, kind of what changed the game um, last week for the Bearcats against SMU, is they went 4 for 4 in the red zone, but only one of those was a touchdown, and they had a couple kind of edge of the red zone possessions that they had to kick field goals on as well. So, you know, Cincinnati's not going to be able to probably go down to Orlando and and win that game kicking field goals, because UCF does still have a potent offense, Uh, and and you're right, this is going to be a huge game. Luke Fickle talked about it. It's going to be the best environment, road environment they've had since Arkansas. That's going to be tough for them to deal with. We remember when they went down there for game day in, in 2018. There were some struggles with the crowd noise. Part of me though wonders, like, a little tough to get up for 11 a.m. Dallas kickoff with with 12 people in the stands at SMU. You know, n- not to make excuses for that, but I do think the players are a little bit excited and welcoming that they're going to be in a more hostile environment on Saturday. Now they're going to have to respond to that. And, and and play well in that environment, but I think part of them is looking forward to that a little bit, and maybe getting up for for what they know is going to be a big game.
1: Are you able to put into words? Because I've been asked this week of of what makes Luke Fickle so great? Because he becomes the all time winningest coach in UC football history over the the SMU win. I, I I equate it to this. He's he's not just about this team. He has welcomed the past players. He he understands the history of this program. When you when you look at former players talk about him. Very rarely it's just on-the-field stuff. It's it's the man, it's the person he is, it's the relationship. He's obviously doing that on the recruiting front as well. It's so much off the field instead of just all on the field of what makes Luke Fickle great, but I've been asked so much of of what is it about him that's so special. What would you answer to that?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's the personal relationship, and we saw some of that, you know, the, the team put out a big video of some former players and coaches kind of congratulating him on the the win record, and you could see the emotion there. You saw it in the post-game locker room with kind of the players going crazy, and, you know, Luke Fuga does not care. He doesn't want to talk about this win record, and the players have kind of forced him to embrace it and and acknowledge it in the program, too, because they, they know how special and important it is. And Mason Fletcher, the punter, like he, he put it in those words after the game. He has a really good personal relationship with Luke Fickle, and it's not just him. It's everyone on the team. And so, obviously, these guys are here to play football, and you know, that's the, what they're working toward in the main focus. But I think the fact that Fickle finds a way to have that connection and basically show that you know, he cares about you as a human being off the football field, that really seems to resonate with you know, a lot of kids of different ages, different backgrounds. And I think his ability to do that – is what inspires them to be so invested in the program, to, to play so hard for him, and to care you know, as much as he does about winning. Um, because as talented as they are, you kind of have to – he always talks about getting that – players to play above their God-given ability. And, and I think what he does personally with his players uh, allows them to want to do that for him.
1: Justin, let me, let me finish with the basketball side of things because you alluded to this – we're so caught up in football and in this city in Cincinnati, it's the Bengals and it's the Bearcats and it's what's going on that I think sometimes college basketball just sneaks up on everyone. And as you alluded to, we're under two weeks away from tip off of year two in the West Miller era. It has been a great off season for West Miller. They've added to this team. uh, They've, they've added the depth. They've went to the transfer portal. They've got some uh, freshmen coming in. We're obviously seeing what they're doing for 2023, How does that change the expectations in year two for Wes Miller? We know what lies ahead next year in the Big 12. What does that mean for this year's team when you're setting the bar at the beginning of the year with expectations, where does it start?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think you have to look at can they give back to the NCAA tournament, and a big part of that is what you just said. They're going to the Big 12 next year. Like, you know, everyone knows how good of a conference that is. I think it's probably going to be an uphill battle, maybe even for a couple seasons, just kind of – Lay the foundation to be able to compete in in that you know caliber of a conference. It, it's different than football. They don't necessarily have, you know, kind of the infrastructure foundation built the way the football program does to to go in and compete right away in the Big Twelve. But. You know, all right, you can maybe increase the optimism or increase the patience for that move a little bit if you can get back to the NCAA tournament this year, or, or you know, make some progress and and show kind of what you're moving towards. So I don't want to say that this team needs to make the NCAA tournament or that that's the expectation, but I think if they can play in a way where that's a realistic opportunity for them down the stretch in February and, and March when football's over and, and fans start to maybe turn a little bit more towards basketball. I think that could be a, a huge key for, for Wes Miller, kind of building that momentum and that, that fan base excitement as they move into the Big Twelve is all right, you know, maybe have a chance to to get back and, and be around the fringes of the NCAA tournament conversation this season.
1: Yeah, I think that's where it starts and with that you see the momentum continue to build for Wes Miller and what he's doing with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh Justin Williams covering the uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats For the athletic, do you have a prediction for Saturday at what they call the bounce house? How do the Bearcats go in there and win?
0: Yeah, I actually think we're going to see maybe a little bit of a sparklight for for Cincinnati. I know a lot of fans are worried that the way you know the the win margin has kind of shrunk the past couple weeks. I just think Cincinnati flips it a little bit. I don't I don't know if I'm going to say it's a blowout, but I think they they win by you know 9 10 14 points and just kind of kind of get their act together a little bit because uh, i actually think the environment and and, uh, the weight of this game is going to play in their favor
1: i love it quieting the noise on the road and again if they do that then their toughest test going forward will be home games to get themselves back to the title game and potentially get themselves back to a new year six game so everything's still ahead of this cincinnati bearcats football team justin williams Fantastic stuff for The Athletic. Go subscribe. Follow him on Twitter. Justin, we appreciate your time each week. Thanks, Tony. Yes, sir. There he is, Justin Williams, covering the Bearcats for The Athletic. We got to get to a break. When we come back, talk backs. The Thursday edition on Cincy 360 right here on ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station, a service of our good friends at Rides.